0: Welcome to the Really Useful Podcast. It's the podcast for technophobes. My name is Christian Corley, and with me this week is Megan Ellis. Hello, Megan. Hello, Christian. Hello. Now, the interesting thing um, to to our listener, maybe slightly interesting, is that we do have a lot of writers from around the world at makeyouself.com. And what I try to do with the Really Useful Podcast is get a good mix of writers from different parts of the world. Now, that that means recording at different times so sometimes i might have to record on an evening in order to speak to someone in the united states uh if it's someone in the uk then we kind of choose the same time and go with that i thought that because megan's in south africa we're on the same time zone so i thought maybe this would be a a good way to um get someone else on the same time zone but it turns out that although we're in the same time zone we're not actually on the same time which is thanks to um daylight saving time we're we're like are we two hours out
1: uh yeah we're technically in gmt plus two yeah so yeah we're
0: so yeah didn't didn't foresee that one did i so uh it's my own fault i should have looked into it further but uh delighted to have you on this week's show
1: oh thanks for having me
0: so on this week's really useful podcast megan and i will be discussing How to make old games and software run on Windows 10. How Prime Amazon members can now pick their Prime Day, or how Prime members can now pick their Amazon Day. Uh, (laughs) Some of the best tools that you can use to watch TV on your computer. We're also going to be having a look at some mobile phone-related topics, um, specifically the Galaxy S10 launch from Samsung, and a chat about why phones have a shorter battery life or have a shop don't seem to have increased their battery life Um, and anything else that sort of comes along from discussing those topics and uh, a brief chat about some things that you can do with a raspberry pi which is a very simple little computer that does uh, some quite cool things we're going to kick off with ways to make old games and software run on windows 10 Uh, windows 10 has been out since 2014 is it 14 I think so. It, it yeah. feels like a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like a long time. You're right. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's here, and it's I mean, obviously it's here to stay. I uh, yeah. Microsoft are saying that there's no more Windows versions. They're calling everything Windows 10. How long that marketing decision lasts for is, uh, you know, another matter entirely. And there's there's always this thing when you move to a new operating system where you find that something won't work anymore um is there anything you've encountered recently that you thought might work in windows 10 but won't megan
1: um not anything i've tried recently but i i do remember struggling um i wanted to play some donkey kong and that type of thing (laughs) on windows 10 just to try it out um, get some nostalgia but yeah um, some of those things don't work especially the the much like really old games even sometimes Windows xp stuff struggles a bit
0: yeah yeah it's i mean it's a common problem we've got this vast history of games and software that we've collected over the years and occasionally it might be nice to go back and try something out or to find an old file uh, that you want to access just maybe it's you know, it might be something that you've written on a different format or whatever that Word doesn't open or doesn't open so well, or it might just be a game. I've got loads of old games that I want to play and really can't unless I buy them again from Good Old Games uh, from GOG.com, which is yeah. a bit of a pain uh, unless I'm prepared to set up. Well, unless I'm prepared to go through one of these methods. There's a few different ways you can get old games and programs to run on Windows 10 uh, as compiled by uh, fellow podcast host uh, gavin phillips uh, at makeusoft.com. he's uh, described ways that you can and of course all of everything that we talk about in this week's show will be available in the show notes so you can check the links out below run the game as administrator or run the software as administrator use windows built-in program compatibility troubleshooter is another option these are both things that you'll find by right clicking on the, the piece of software in question The program compatibility feature is good, but it doesn't always work, uh, unfortunately. Uh, There's manual compatibility settings that you can also set, which this is things like setting the right screen resolution, uh, because it can be issues with your display that's causing a game to not work or a piece of software to not work. Um, Driver enforcement is a big deal in modern versions of Windows, and it's something that didn't exist in previous versions of Windows. Um, So... You can use the startup session, uh, settings in Windows 10 to get around driver enforcement. You can also, and this is my preferred option, use a virtual machine. Um, you know, A virtual machine is free to uh, download the software from uh, VirtualBox. There's also a free version of VMware that you can download. And if you've got an old version of your operating system disk, uh, you can simply install that within your current operating system. Uh, if it's a DOS game or DOS application, then you can use DOSBox. Uh, Megan, are you familiar with any of these uh, tools?
1: Um, definitely the the first three or four, but mm. um, I haven't tried um, DOSBox or the virtual machine. I think I've I've tried to run a virtual machine before on um, VMware Player, but I didn't have an old disk. Those are back at my childhood home, so unfortunately, didn't have any um, licenses to right, to try to run an old X, Windows XP.
0: Yeah, that, right. is, uh, that, that is a uh, key key aspect of running a virtual machine is to have the, uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: to have the license. Copy of the operating system and a license, <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, I think I, I'm more used to um, on Android when you run a virtual phone because so much of the stuff is open source, you can just simulate an OS, whereas... Yeah, I, I remembered <laughs> after <laughs> Windows 10, getting it free and all that, and like it's a, a flash from the past to suddenly yeah. see Windows XP, where's your license? Like, oh, <laughs> that thing. Yeah, definitely.
0: The um, I think the problem with the compatibility feature is that it can fail so often, uh, which is why I prefer the virtual machine but it really depends on what's easiest for the piece of software that you're trying to run so if you are looking for a way to get all games and software to run on Windows 10 uh do check out that link in the show notes now amazon prime amazon are the um they're, they're like everyone's best friend and everyone's worst enemy at the moment <laughs> I'm expecting a uh, a a seven-inch or eight-inch tablet case to arrive for my daughter later on today, which I ordered yesterday afternoon. And you know, this short time span—I know it's not the same in other parts of the world. Um, In the United States, I think you have two days. Um, Here in the UK, everything can be done in one day uh, with with Amazon Prime. But you know, at the same time, there's there's all those things happening behind the scenes, and vast amounts of money, and possibly better working conditions. But well, Amazon Prime members can now pick an Amazon day rather than Amazon's Amazon day. <laughs> As, I'm not sure if this is something i I mean, there, there are good security benefits for it, I suppose, but it's not really something that I personally think I'm going to take advantage of. What about you, Megan?
1: It's definitely something I would use just for a convenience factor, and especially if I was in the US. I mean, you saw... I'm not sure if you saw it, the the porch thief video that went viral where mm-hmm. yeah a guy added the the fake package um and that's like a huge problem apparently in the US where no one's home and the package is just left on the porch which wouldn't happen here the Amazon driver just heads back tries again but i think in countries where that does happen you'll end up with a lot fewer stolen packages
0: absolutely uh so the idea of amazon day is that amazon lets a prime member choose one day of the week to be their delivery day once chosen you can keep adding eligible items to the order which will be grouped together and delivered on the day and time of your choosing um as megan says this is clearly something that's going to benefit people in the united states more than other parts of the world uh, where delivery is faster uh i mean hopefully it'll work out and it's a good idea uh it's but of course you know amazon are working towards what they call shipment zero and dropping things off on the same day by various means that they've tried out do you have any preference of your your your, for for shipment zero i'm i'm keen on teleportation if they can't get (laughs) the drone licenses
1: yeah um I don't know. I, I'm. I'm still. I enjoy just the courier knowing my my package will arrive safely. But it's because <laughs> like we as South Africans like imagine that if someone tried to send a package here with a drone, like someone on the way is definitely going to stop it and get a free gift. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Just having a very efficient automated system that can match people with the best delivery time as well. I think that will definitely help um, knowing when you're going to be home. Because a lot of people know their schedule, but the courier doesn't necessarily know it. And something like, oh, any time between 9 and 5 p.m. is a broad time.
0: Yes, it is, absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah, I imagine there's a lot of inefficiency. I I guess um, (laughs) some of the drivers leaving the stuff at the door (laughs) is why they do that, because they have to get on with other deliveries but this will definitely help that they're not wasting their time going to places that they can't get into or the person's not home I think it'll definitely help out with that and it's just more convenient to know when your package is arriving rather than answering every ring at your doorbell just in case and finding out like it's just like a traveling salesperson or something I think uh, it's definitely a useful thing. I'm I'm surprised they haven't introduced it sooner because there's smaller retailers that are re- retailers that already um have this type of thing. Like in South Africa, there's Woolworths, I know, um it's a clothing shop in the UK, but here it's a grocery shop as well. Right. And you can select a time slot usually for free, that they come deliver your groceries and that type of thing so that you're home and you're ready at the time. And I mean they don't have nearly as many resources as something like Amazon
0: sure sure yeah so well uh, that's uh I'm, it's, it's pick your own amazon prime day uh megan are you uh, a regular watcher of television online
1: yes i think that's the only television i watch <laughs>
0: there are um many different ways to watch television online some that you'll have heard of some that you won't have heard of uh what 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 i think is most interesting about this and uh Colleague Dan Price at MakeYourself.com has uh, compiled a list of the 15 best sites to watch TV on your computer over the internet. What's interesting about this, I think, is that almost all of these services, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime Video, uh, Voodoo, Xfinity Stream, iTunes, Google Play, Fandango Now, Sling TV, YouTube TV, PlayStation View, DirecTV Now, US TV Now, Pluto TV, and fubo tv almost almost all of these weren't around six or seven years ago when there was websites springing up beaming ip tv all over the place
1: yeah
0: and it's like those guys have been completely left behind um you know with it with, with the exception of say pluto tv and uh us tv now they, they, they've been completely left behind um and they've basically lost their market share and it's it's like they saw the future but then they <laughs> ignored the future and just carried on doing their their own strange little things bizarre to me what's what's your preferred service megan
1: definitely netflix um but it's it's a lot to do with availability here netflix has the biggest catalog for us um mm. and yeah, I can access a lot of content, like timely content. Amazon Prime is also available here, but there aren't enough exclusives to really make me want to subscribe because in terms of like calculating like how much value you get for your subscription, you get a lot more from Netflix here at least than you do on Amazon Prime. But something like I'm dying, like I really just want Hulu <laughs> and some other um, – uh, stream streaming services to just roll out here like i would love for like hbo play for example to to roll out here i'm just waiting and even like youtube tv and youtube premium it's also geo locked here so i'm i'm just waiting (laughs) i'm I'm like please (laughs) come to our shores so that i may watch all your content
0: Well, of course, someone may consider using a virtual – no, they wouldn't. Not a virtual machine at all. A virtual private (laughs) network, a VPN, to get around those issues. Here in the UK, we have um, a service called uh, Now TV, which includes Sky Atlantic. So you get a lot of HBO stuff through that. Mm. Uh, I use Amazon Prime Video mainly – in fact, the main reason I have Amazon Prime is actually uh, because of The Man in the High Castle. Uh, which is, uh, as you said, there's um, more good exclusives on Netflix than there are on Amazon, probably. I I don't spend an awful lot of time watching TV, but Man in the High Castle is a show that I've uh, enjoyed watching over the years. Uh, Netflix, again, we have Netflix. I don't know if we have anything on iTunes. I found myself buying more and more on Google Play lately as I've generated Uh. more and more bonuses on the uh, Google Rewards app.
1: Yeah, Google Play is really promising. The the only drawback I find is that there's quite a delay until they release um, a movie. Sometimes, like, they're really quick on it and, like, as soon as it's done in cinemas, the movie's on the platform. But I find especially, like, all the older the things um, I struggle to find. And I don't know if that's a geo restriction it, the, the service is available here, but I mean, it took ages for get out to come out on um, Google play. Well, I will give you a quick
0: rundown of what I've purchased over the years on Google play. Uh, in fact, Sherlock Holmes, the uh, Robert Downey Jr. Jude law. That was, I think that was probably free. I've since also bought Dr. Strange guardians of the galaxy 2 and a couple of days ago i bought bohemian rhapsody which i watched last night which is obviously a pretty recent movie so that's um yeah i mean it's not i don't like having to watch stuff buy stuff this way to be honest with you because i feel like i'm slightly i don't know everyone i think everyone has that kind of Feeling that maybe they're not going to use Google forever, so then buying movies on Google maybe isn't a great idea. Uh but uh, yeah, so yeah, that that I mean, obviously, *Bohemian Ross is quite a recent movie. I think it probably is. There probably is a, a, a geographic element to all uh. services as to what you can get hold of, and Fandango is becoming a, uh, a since become more prominent uh, in the past few months. Um, with its uh, movie reviews and uh, its new streaming service Fandango Now which you pay yeah. on a on a on a on a pay as you go basis one service that is missing from this which surprised me is BritBox which is available in North America and oh, well North America US and Canada for the past few months uh, it's also going to be launched in the UK Um, But in the U.S. and calendar, BritBox basically allows you to stream British television. Now, I mentioned VPNs earlier. I've actually used BritBox. I've got a BritBox uh, account because I used it to access a show called Midsummer Murders, which is a British show, but it had been screened in Australia, but not in the U.K. Um, It's it's later series. Yeah. So uh, my wife and I decided, well would really like to watch this. So I used a VPN to sell up a BritBox account, watch these, um, I think five or six episodes of Midsummer Murders streamed from the United States. Uh, I'm not even sure if they've been on in the UK yet, but uh, yeah, this kind of, the UK is like it's series behind and it's kind of uh, odd, but uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> streaming service, do you, do you have a favorite streaming service then that you um. use the most, is it Netflix?
1: Yeah, definitely Netflix. I, I would like to use um, HBO, but they even with the VPN, I think they can track where your credit card is registered. So um, with theirs, you can't register for the service without having a kind of foreign credit card because they they'll look and be like, oh, this is registered in South Africa according to its number. So sorry, it's not available in your area. Um, and that's a lot to do, like, very strict licensing agreements here. I think there's a bit more freedom in other places. But, like, for example, Netflix was the first, like, international streaming service to launch here. And they couldn't even play House of Cards or um, Orange is the New Black, which is it's their shows. They made it. They couldn't even air it here in our version because um, the local broadcasters still had the rights to all of those. So it actually, like even even if they own the content, they can't stream it here yet until right. all these licensing deals expire.
0: Well, that's frustrating, isn't it? Mm,
1: there is there is a local streaming service, but it's it used to have quite a bit of delay. So sometimes it would take a while for like Game of Thrones to upload. But I definitely think people are are looking for the alternatives. Definitely the VPN solution even though Netflix tries to um, nip it in the bud, there are still VPNs that work with it. Same with Amazon Prime. So I think that's a good way to access other content. But yeah, some, some of the services have built a very, very solid wall between <laughs> themselves and certain locations.
0: Yeah, it certainly seems that way. right, uh, let's move on to the Samsung Galaxy S10 series. Uh, Megan, yes. you uh, you went to the launch, did you? Yeah, the local launch, yeah. Of the Galaxy S10. Now, uh, this is not unusual, although I didn't realize this until very recently when I was doing some research into the DEX software on the Samsung Galaxies. Yeah. Uh, is it Samsung issues multiple versions of the same phone that are slightly different?
1: Yes. Um, I think especially in the last few years, maybe since since the S7, there's been two versions in their Galaxy S range, at least two verges, versions, so a a standard version and then the plus version. But this, this year, Samsung went all out, all out, and they suddenly went from two versions to four different phones that they launched, and then still bundled it with the announcement of the Galaxy Fold as well.
0: Now, what I mean, obviously, there's different versions. Yeah. Four different versions. And I would probably look at this and I would say that's too much choice. And I know yeah. <laughs> choice is something that people like to believe or think that they like to have. But I would contest that maybe. No, 20 years of the mobile phone or a bit longer demonstrates actually people don't want that much choice they just want good devices from manufacturers that they can trust but there is a reason why Samsung have issued four phones isn't there
1: yeah definitely um I think I mean they did their their whole thing was that okay we're giving users choice but I think for them it was um A way to roll out a variety of different developments at different price points because they couldn't load it all into one device and make it um, insanely expensive because the market would not react to it. So they've kind of um, made all these new developments and then bundled them with the different phones. I do like that, I mean, between the S10 Plus and the S10, there's not too much of a difference because I think it was with the S9... And the S9 Plus, um, there used to always just be a marginal difference in previous versions where it would be like bigger battery, more storage. But then on the S9 and the S9 Plus, one had a single lens camera and the other had a dual camera. And that's quite a big jump, especially when Mm. everyone's rolling out dual cameras last year. Um, It was too much of a difference in a way that people didn't want the S9 Plus because it was more expensive, like significantly expensive, but they also didn't want the S9, because it didn't have the camera features they wanted. So this time around, the S10 Plus and the the S9, uh, the S10, have more small differences back to the whole battery thing, the whole um, extra storage, and then the S10 Plus has a dual front camera, but that's only... It, you, you don't feel kind of robbed if you you opt for the S10 instead. It's still got that triple lens, main camera, that kind of thing, the main things you'd want in a phone. And then the S10e, it's more, I think, following the pattern of how there was the iPhone 10s and then the iPhone 10R, like offering a premium budget <laughs> version that's still much more expensive than their mid-range devices, but it just cuts a few of the, the bells and whistles of the other devices to make it um, more accessible in terms of affordability. And that one has a dual main camera, so at least it still has the two lenses there. And then the S10 5G, this is where they just loaded. <laughs> it's like <laughs> they're all the toppings phone where they just loaded in um, battery, RAM, a quadruple rear camera, a dual front camera, and then obviously the 5G um, functionality. But what's interesting about that, I think they definitely separated it because the 5G requires a, a, like more, more battery power. It makes the device more expensive. But by separating it, they could make it that it's like a targeted launch in areas where 5G is relevant. So yeah. um, the UK, mainly some of Europe and the US so this the 5G won't be seeing most markets um, even with its new cameras and new types of lenses but I think that that was a smart way to not raise the prices of all their phones with a feature that would only be relevant in selected territories
0: it's um it's an interesting tactic and I hope it's a strategy that works out for them I think though the thing that I find most fascinating about these Samsung Galaxy S10 phones is the fact that they look like they've got faces on them <laughs> faces if you've, yeah if, on the camera side on the reverse side where you've got those little uh, lines lines of lenses and then the little bit that says Samsung underneath yeah
1: oh, dear. especially the little S&E Esten, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. the
0: androids the androids are coming to life uh, so yeah <laughs> do you, I mean do you have a preferred model do you think is one that you'd be looking at getting
1: um like, I like the S10+, Plus, but I think the S10 would be all right for me because I'm I'm very into smartphone photography, um, but mainly with regards to the main camera, I, I don't take many selfies, so I don't need, like, special live focus in my selfies and that kind of thing. So, because the S10, uh, the standard S10 still has the triple rear camera, I think that would... Um, be perfect for me but I mean some people who want like a very very heavy performance device I mean the S10 plus can go up to one terabyte of storage um which I don't think many phones do That's a bit, but, inn- yeah it's a lot it's a very attractive phone I've got an S10 plus with me you it's not much bigger than most of the other phones it's the same same size as my my Huawei P20 Pro So in terms of size, it's mainly about what you can afford and what you're looking for in a phone. If you're the kind of person who wants to splash out on a really expensive phone um, with all the bells and whistles, the S10 Plus is great. If you're a bit more conservative with it, S10 will be more than enough for most smartphone users. And even the S10e, if you're not that into um, smartphone photography, you just want a good camera and a good phone then the cheaper device definitely works is there any that you prefer
0: oh I'm I'm a bit greedy when it comes to phones so I'd probably just go <laughs> straight for the 5g and I, I don't even live in a region of the UK that's likely to get 5g on rollout either but I would that's just just on the off chance I'm in London and can then experience some super fast internet, you know yeah pro- probably that uh listen you mentioned battery life earlier
1: yeah
0: and Something that some people have noticed, that battery life doesn't appear to be improving, even as phones improve. Uh, Our colleague, Van Vicente, has compiled a list of the five reasons why phones have such short battery lives. Now, compared to five, ten years ago, phones have superb battery lives. But we demand more from our phones these days. Uh, So that's really what's going on. It's it's the demand for faster phones, more powerful phones, thinner phones. Great displays. Great displays, high definition, 4K displays uh, and um, better charging speeds. And also the physical element of actually batteries do deteriorate over time. Um, I wonder what, what sort of battery life do you get out of your main phone?
1: Um, more than a day. Um, but I've got very fast charging. I only charge it in like little bits, but uh, I definitely, right now I'm still getting, um, over a day's use of it, but it does like, I've owned it for a year now. So I I see it's not going as far as it used to during, uh, to do that normal, like degradation, but, um, I'm happy with it. It's, Like, obviously, I wish it could go for a week, but I'm not going to be investing in any. What was it? The Energizer phone that's like an inch thick (laughs) that can last the whole week with 18,000 milliamp hours. Um, And your phone, how's how's your battery doing? Uh, It tends to be
0: all right. I usually get to bed and it's about 15%. It depends, obviously, on what you're doing throughout the day. Mm. I do find that, you know, when I'm tethering, if I'm out and about, then. The battery's lower if i'm if I've fallen into the trap of a family shop uh I find that the battery goes <laughs> a lot quicker because I spend time staring at my phone trying to distract myself <laughs> from the inanity of choosing clothes uh so you yeah, know that happens uh, yeah, it depends what how I'm using it i you know a general day a general work day will be I'll have maybe twenty fifteen percent left at the end of it whereas. A weekend, I'll probably have to bung it on charge through the car or through a a battery recharger at some. Using it for navigation as well on uh, Google Drive or Google Maps. Drive. And
1: have you noticed when it can't find signal, um, (laughs) then it really, really drains because if you've got that like smart Wi-Fi on, it's trying to switch between all the the different signals so i find especially when i go to a mall or something where i haven't logged into the the local wi-fi so it keeps trying to connect to the internet without me giving any verification so it yeah. keeps trying to switch between the data and that i've never seen something chew my battery <laughs> as much as that
0: yeah that that is a problem that uh, I, I thought that they'd actually got over but it just seemed to be creeping back in for some reason i don't mm. know whether there's been some changes in uh, with Android particularly and uh, how it connects to Wi-Fi networks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I disabled Wi-Fi a few days ago when I was eating out and 10 minutes later it was back on. So.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah.
0: Try, trying to connect to the restaurant Wi-Fi. So, yeah, that's a pain. So uh, just to recap, um, the reasons why your smartphone will not last the entire day in most cases is because modern phones consume energy faster. Phones are getting slimmer and have less space for batteries. So Actually, your batteries are smaller. Uh, Manufacturers don't really have an incentive to add bigger batteries because people want more powerful phones with more features and battery spaces at a premium. Lithium iron batteries will deteriorate over time, as will almost any battery, and battery technology isn't as advanced as maybe it could be at this stage. Um, smarter use of your phone and smarter recharging practice is probably the best way to keep your phone top top well, how do you charge your phone do you use plug or solar or portable battery what's your preference
1: um i mainly just use the standard foss charging on it um Uh, Mine currently doesn't have wireless charging. I used to enjoy that, but that does have the risk of um, causing overheating if you leave it there for too long. Yeah. Um, And then power banks are (laughs) incredibly useful (laughs) when you're on the go. Um, And you even get wireless power banks nowadays. Um, But yeah, I mainly... Yeah, the fast charging uh, charging in bursts as well. I try to keep it between 30 and 80% um, just because of a report I read from Battery University. Um, rec- uh, it, your phone just uses your battery more efficiently between those two spaces, like between right. those two percentages. So sure. you don't have to charge it as much because the main thing, uh, it, there's not like a whole bunch of like oh 80 is like you know the limit and then it gets too hot like it does get too hot at 100 percent, but um your phone just doesn't use it as efficiently so just saving battery prevents you from having to charge it again and using up all those charge cycles that the lithium ion battery is limited to
0: sure good good advice i i used to have a windows phone that had wireless charging which i absolutely loved
1: mm.
0: um you know you can just put it on the plate wait for it to charge, and then pick it up again. Although it all invariably ends up extremely hot. Um, but, my, <laughs> yeah, my, my uh, Xperia has uh, fast charging on USB Type-C. So, you know, it's probably charged within about an hour, mm. which is yeah. obviously preferable. Uh, it's not always, but, you know, I mean, during the if I put it on charge during the night, it'll tell me when it's going to be charged by, which I think is a really useful feature in Android
1: hmm that is very useful that you don't end up leaving it too long <laughs>
0: exactly yeah exactly so uh let me just uh recap um where we are up to i think yep i'm going to go back and just uh, give you a quick recap there uh ladies and gentlemen of uh, what we discussed in this week's really useful podcast we've um, talked about how to make old games and software run on Windows 10 we've um, discovered the uh, benefits of Prime members being able to pick their Amazon day. There are the best tools for you and services to watch TV on your computer. Big names that you'll know, other names that you maybe don't know so well. We've um, explored the uh, Galaxy S10 launch, and it's uh, Samsung's four devices, <laughs> all called S10 and Y, and the benefits of each. And uh, we've had a look at why phones have a short perhaps a shorter battery life that maybe you expect this is the really useful podcast we're available on itunes spotify google podcasts stitcher.com and there's probably one or two other places that i've forgotten to mention oh and youtube as well we are the podcast for technophiles if you found anything interesting in this week's podcast please share it let us know tell your friends and if you know people who are afraid of technology aren't getting the most out of technology and want some help but don't want to have to put up with people talking about frequencies and storage (laughs) limits and uh and intel and amd and you know all this complicated stuff that really isn't relevant to you as a user then point them in our direction and if they have any questions uh we can help them out uh megan ellis is a colleague of mine from makeusoft.com. uh thank you for joining me megan
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: it's been great it's been a pleasure uh we'll be back with another really useful podcast next week until then it's goodbye
1: cheers